no, we're very grateful for the Whitmires. Um, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but they, they know what family's all about. They have uh, more than one child, more than two, more than three, more than four. They have five children. And they said that's it. And a dog, right? Yes. And a dog. So they know what they're, they're talking about. They're still a young family, but um, we've been privileged to be good friends with them for quite a few years. And so we know some of the challenges that they have faced. And um, they might look all perfect up here, but they have walked through some deep waters. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a, in a bit. Um, but we're just so thankful that they agreed to come. And so we're going to do this a little bit like we did in October. We're going to ask them a few questions. Uh, interject, am I skipping over something important? Um, Beth came from a large family, I should say. How many siblings? Six sisters. Six? Is Six your mic sisters. on? <clears throat> I think it's on. Well, it's green. It's be good. <laughs> it is there we go. Just keep okay. talking and we'll get you. Yeah, they'll find you. So six sisters, if you didn't hear that. Um, and I know he talked about bathrooms this morning, but how many bathrooms in your house? We had one. <laughs> so there, she's lived through a lot <laughs> right there. Six sisters, one bathroom. Um, and Pastor Mike, you grew up with one sibling? I had one sister, yes. One sister. And uh, had fought three foster brothers for a period of time as well. Okay. So mom and dad took them in. So before marriage, did you talk about how many children you wanted to have? <laughs> she laughs. I wanted a boy and a girl. That's it. <laughs> well, you got that and more. She was just way too attractive to let that stop at oh. that. <laughs> Actually, that's not what happened. But <laughs> if you want the real story, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> well, we kind of... Yeah, I got pregnant, and it was our first anniversary. We had that first before we got pregnant, but, you know, <laughs> anyway, we were on a, um, anyways, um, and I went to the, I remember going to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well, and I said, what is wrong? And he goes, and he goes, well, what's your symptoms and everything? And I said, this is what's going on. Well, believe, I believe, ma'am, you're pregnant. And I go, there's no way. I said, I've been on the pill, and there's no way I'm pregnant. And he goes, well, sometimes the pill doesn't work for people. And he goes, obviously, it didn't work for you. <laughs> so then we, the second child, yeah. And he goes, I'll give you something else stronger so that you don't get pregnant. I remember him saying that. And I was like, because I did not want to have a second job right away. Well, what was it, 16 and a half months later? And there it was again. So then my doctor looked at me and he goes, you know what? You're one of those 99% women that nothing is going to work. So he goes, you might as well just give up now. <laughs> so there we go. That's how the rest happened. So I'm going to ask one more question and then I'm going to let my, my hubby interject here. But tell us your love story, what you want to tell, <laughs> how you met, and maybe include in that. Because we have some single people here who are not married yet, maybe some things you were looking for in a mate, um, things that you should think about when you're looking for a mate, um, whoever wants to talk about that. She's laughing because she knows that this is going to be a good story. Um, so I saw her 
she saw me, and we weren't interested in each other at all. We met at Northeast Christian College and uh, did not date a single day while we were in Northeast Christian College. She is very proud of saying, I didn't date him until after we graduated. That's, that was her, uh, that she's very proud of that. I'm not sure why she's proud of that. Um, but nonetheless, um, we, uh, yes, we went through other relationships. We were both engaged to other people at, at, at a time. And then um, those relationships didn't work out and now we're together. That's how it works out. Uh, the thing that brought us together was that we realized that we could work well together. Um, we had commonalities and purpose, and that was that is really everything that drew us together. Once when we started working together, I started noticing that I might be able to uh, might be able to do a life with this person, and uh, I'm not sure why. She's with me, but nonetheless, uh, I, I, hopefully she doesn't figure out anything else. I've just, con I've just convinced her for 20 years now to stick with me, and uh, maybe eventually we'll, uh, maybe eventually I'll do enough to deserve having such a wonderful lady as her in my life. So, but uh, no, that was, that was really the essence of it. We could work together, and um, it didn't hurt that we were attracted to each other as well. I'll tell you the real truth. <laughs> I couldn't stand him. <laughs> I said I would never end up with him, and I told everybody that. I said, no way am I ever going to be with that guy. Well, the Lord had a different story, didn't he? And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> and here we are, five kids later. But um, no, um, it, it's so funny. You were saying, you know, what was, what did I want in a spouse? And it was not too long ago, Christiana found my book. I was a very list person. This is what I want in life. This is everything. So I, she came across this book, and she was reading it. And she goes, Mom, this is what you wanted in a guy? And I go, yeah. And she goes, well, I think you pretty much nailed it all with Dad, you know. <laughs> and it, some of the things was, there was one. She said, you were way off, Mom. And anyways... I did want a dark-haired guy, I said that, but blue eyes. But he doesn't have blue eyes, he has brown eyes, and that, that's okay. <laughs> that's what Mike said, I can get blue contacts. So. Anyways, but I, one thing I, on my list I did, as I said, I wanted a man that loved God, was honest and loyal. So those of you who are looking for a spouse, you know why you need somebody that's going to love God the most. Love God the most more than you. And to, but have that person be loyal to you and honest to you and communicate with you. And that was the, uh, some of the things that was on my list that I wanted. And I, I believe I got it. <laughs> I, I, I heard a quote. I read a quote, actually. I just wanted to interject that said, a successful marriage works best when each person feels like they got the better deal. And I think that's absolutely true. I 100% believe I got the best deal in our marriage. And I think when you have that attitude, you will have a successful marriage. I'm supposed to respond to that. <laughs> she just did that. Go ahead. 
<laughs> I mean with the list. <laughs> no, I, uh, I would absolutely agree. You know, I, some of this whole dynamic is, you know, we're working with different dynamics in, in, in relationships with couples. You're working with different dynamics in personality. And when you, when you come across that person, I, I mentioned we were talking a little bit about love in the sermon this morning. And, uh, and I had mentioned that, that love is kind of like attraction brings you together. But then love becomes that moment when you realize I, not only do I want to do life with this person, I, I'm not sure that I can do life without them. I'm not sure that I can do life without this person. Not because of, not because of uh, anything that I, I gain. I'm, I'm, I'm the winner in this. I, I'm confident of that. Um, to respond to Kathy's comment about secretly believing that you got the better end of the deal. I, I believe that that's true. But, um, but when you begin to work in harmony together and, and realize that this person complements the, the needs that I have in my life, they complement the lack that I have, the... You know, Kathy was organized. I was disorganized. Kathy was uh, a memory like a steel, a steel trap. I, I had to force feed material into my brain, hoping it would stay long enough to, you know, and, and then just she is not mechanical at all. Like Kathy can't walk from, you know, Kathy's not athletic at all. She can't walk from the, the, the front door to the car if there's a little bit of ice on the ground. She's got her arm out. She's, she's got, you know, she needs the balance beam holding. And she's... I sanded the driveway this afternoon again because it's better than somebody going down. Like I do, but I just know that about that about her. So there's different giftings and talents, and and uh, you know maybe in my early years I thought I was going to have somebody that would play sports or or some. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Kathy playing volleyball or something. The only time that Kathy, the closest Kathy got to the gym was over here at AGMS when we were in Bible college. She would come to watch people play sports, and she got injured just doing that. She got, no matter where she was in the room, we'd laugh because she'd get. I had to have three root canals because I watched soccer. <laughs> so I don't do sports. Anyhow, long story short, um, those ideals or ideas, I don't know. I can't imagine. I was just trying to do the math. Five girls in a home, or how many girls? Four, four, four girls? Four. No. no, that's your home, but you're oh, growing mine. up. Six. Six girls. Yeah. You guys had it honed. <laughs> you had that blade honed pretty well about what you wanted in a, in a husband. I'm sure you had that. <laughs> Did everybody have a book or just you? Just me. Okay. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. But I'm saying that, that it's, it's, it is great when you realize that God has put you together and and anybody around here that gets to know the staff at all knows that on a staff level, we work together. Um, our, our needs are complemented by the abilities of those around us. And that happens in our relationships, too. And, and um, some of these grand ideals that we see on Pinterest and uh, what's the other? Instagram and all everybody's perfect pictures of what marriage can be in potential. Like, uh, sometimes I worry that, that that's creating this ideal that, that's not realistic. And we just got to step back and say, God has a person for me, and I'm going to allow him to bring that into my life and be who God wants me to be to that person, allow that person to be who God wants them to be with me. I know you guys have differences. and um, I think we had a couple pictures. We, uh, Brandon, we have a picture of, of, of the family. I think we have a picture of yeah. They, isn't that a great-looking family right there? Um, that's a few years ago. I, I, but if you want, why don't you go, just go ahead and take a minute and introduce them to us? 
All right. Um, the far, your far left, I guess, would be uh, Kylie. That's our oldest daughter. The farthest to the right is our second oldest daughter. That's Jasmine. Kylie right now is taking business in California. And yes, she actually is in California right now with all of the lockdown, but she is able to get back in there. Jasmine's in Fredericton, taking her education degree here. Uh, Brandon's in grade 11. He's the boy other than me in that picture. He's next to Kylie on, the, on that uh, left-hand side. And he's in grade 11, and he is working towards some kind of science, human science um, line of education. Michaela is the one in the yellow top. She's the second from the right. And then Christiana is the youngest one. And uh, so she's in the middle. Michaela's in grade 10, and Christiana's in grade 8. So, and then there's Beth and me in the middle, but... Um, they're all very different personalities. Kylie is very outgoing, effervescent. If you're going to, uh, if Kylie doesn't like you, you're a bad person. Okay, that's just the way it is. Um, Jasmine, uh, when she was a baby, I can tell on her right here because she's here. When she was a baby, she didn't like anyone. She barely liked me. All right, that was just who she was. You'd make a smiley face at her when she was a baby. She's kind of growing out of that a little bit by now. But uh, anyway, she's, uh, yeah, Jasmine's, uh, Jasmine's cool. Um, Brandon is, uh, Brandon's, um, he's the boy. We'll just say that. Um, he loves all boy stuff, video games and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Michaela is the quiet one, okay? Michaela's quiet, very reserved, and uh, she's not going to be the outgoing one like Kylie was. Christiana is the, what did you say Christiana was? Blunt. Christiana's blunt, yes. If you want to know anything but don't care about your feelings, just ask her, okay? <laughs> she will tell you that. Uh, she's an adventurous one. Um, on this past week... Um, it was cold this past week. We slept outside. Christiana and I slept outside. Uh, we built a Quincy and uh, slept outside. And she was the one who motivated me to build the snow fort. Quin that's what snow Quincy is, a snow fort. And we slept outside. And it was, it was nice and warm. Oh, there it is. There it is. That's in the making. There's Christiana over on the right-hand side. And it was minus 15 outside, about minus 5 or 6 inside. And so sleeping bags made up the rest of it. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling. If you're looking up. Okay, so what I did there. I'm getting old. Quincy is just a big pile of snow that you dig the outside in. Uh, inside out. Yes. And so uh, we... Uh, I'm getting old, so I built a frame, put a tarp over top of the frame, and used my snow blower <laughs> to blow the snow from about 60 feet around in my yard on top of that. And then we just collapsed the frame, pulled the tarp out, and there it was, all said and done. So I'm old and I'm smart. <laughs> so there's this, yes, there's inside. And I have had that sleeping bag since the first time I slept in a Quincy 20 some years ago. So there's my. That's, that's a dog. My sleeping bag is the Eureka Baffin Island on the side. So, yes, that's my adventure. That's Christiana's the adventurous one. She'll push me uh, to do things that I don't want to do. And Jasmine will, um, Jasmine, she's here. Uh, she'll, uh, she'll say, don't wear that. 
or things like this. She'll challenge me. My kids, I raised my girls. I shouldn't say this. I will. Um, I raised my girls to be a complete person. There's an idea in many religious circles that women aren't supposed to think for themselves. Um, no, I'm thankful not in Pentecostal circles. When women have always been a part of leadership within Pentecostal circles, and uh, I believe that we are complete people. Um, for ladies, uh, let me speak to that. You do not have to have someone else to complete you in your ministry. You are, you have a complete ministry. God gave you a ministry. Men, God gave you a ministry. You don't need, you know, someone else to make it. Now, two ministries need to work together. But if you're going to complete, you know, be a complete home, your ministries need to coincide. But when we raised our kids, we raised them to find their purpose for God, in God, for themselves. And each one of them are different personalities. And God will bring other people into their lives to complement and make that grow. But nonetheless, you are not half a person. You are not half a person. You are a complete person. These two complete people shall become one. In your walk with God, you're a complete person. He or she is a complete person. That, that person comes together with you and two become one, but your, uh, your fulfillment of that purpose is something that uh, we've, we've always taught our kids that. And, uh, and I think that comes from this lady right here. She's a very strong-willed person. Uh, she, has a, she has a way of doing things, and uh, sometimes we don't always agree on that. And I have a different way of doing things, but nonetheless, we, we come together as individuals. And, and anyway, I'm rambling. That's debatable if you're rambling or not. I think it's all great. Um, when we stood on our wedding day, we promised to stay together through thick and thin, for better or for worse. Um, I think you guys are a lot like us, a lot of, like a lot of people in the room. Uh, most everything we, uh, we did had to get better because we started with absolutely nothing. We started at ground zero. Um, but if you could prepare families, young families, for the unpredictable, what, what would you say? Life happens. And there are losses that you would never think you would have. Uh, there are successes that you would never think you would have. And if life was just predictable, then we would never have to develop faith in the midst of loss, and we would never give God glory in the midst of credit, because then it would all be happening according to our plan. We would, in essence, be God in our life. It's the unpredictability of life that makes us either dependent on God or giving God glory. And really, it shouldn't be either or. It should be both and. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the process of unpredictability within life. And uh, some of the things that I, some of the things that I've gone through looking back on is I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't know I was going to have to face those things. I'm glad I didn't know I would have to face those things. But looking back on them, I also 
like, oh, I wish they didn't happen, but thank God for what they brought into my life. And those are the things that um, we, we have lots of stories like that. And everybody has stories like that. You all have stories like that. Um, this question we have, uh, how is sickness and grief, um, we'll speak to, to maybe the accident that you had in a minute, um, how has that impacted your relationship with each other, your marriage, your family, and how, how did you best support each other through those seasons, those times? I know I have faced a lot of sickness within my body, and I'm trying to think how many years ago. It was here. <laughs> it was here when I first got diagnosed. And I remember it was at a kid's camp, actually, and I had to go see the specialist. Did not know I was going to get the message I was going to get when they told me I had tumors surrounding my gallbladder and inside. And I came back, and he was doing registration, and I, I knew I had to talk to him. And so I just pulled somebody aside and I said, I need Mike, I need, really need to talk to him. So they went down and they got him and I was upstairs and I gave him the news. And I remember saying to him, I don't know what we're going to do. We have five kids. And I said, I don't believe my life on earth is done. I believe God still has something for us. In the midst of that news, I still trusted God. I still had faith that he was going to do something for me because I knew my work was not done here on earth. And it was something we both had to face and challenge together. But as you know, many of you know, I got a healing from that. And um, when they did the next scan, when I went back in, ready for the surgery, um, they said, this is what was shown before and now this is now and those tumors have shrunk and we do not need to do anything. But you know what? God pulled us through it, you know. Even though our, the unknown, what we were going to face down the road, we didn't know what we were going to face with this. But if I can say anything to anyone, maybe you're going through something with a sickness in your body, don't ever give up on God. Put your trust in him that he's going to see you. Yes, you may feel like throwing everything aside and your faith may be, seem low because it's going to at some times. But you know what? Surround yourself with good people too also that will strengthen you and, and build your faith too because, you know, we had um, the Lehmans and the Woodwards that really supported us when we got that news. I remember us going in the office with you, Brother Woodward, and... When, and just to take that time aside when, that day that we got it. And I, you know, I'll never forget those things. But, I, but through it all, I still trusted God and I knew God was going to see us through. I never once doubted that God knew. I knew that God was in control. Another thing that sustained us through the times of sickness was all other things, all other relationships were secondary. Like, uh, there was times, like, when she had the cancer, 
Um, there was other times she had had injury, uh, had fallen down a flight of stairs, impacted her head, and um, was severely torn up, concussed, um, and everything else stopped. Just the light life stopped for me, and uh, I knew I had to take care of her first. Um, and if she was taken care of, then I could follow through with other responsibilities. Uh, there was another time she rolled the vehicle right in front of me and uh, tore up her arm and uh, her back and everything like that. It was, we were moving to Woodstock at the time. And uh, in both of those situations, one of the things that we determined that we were not going to do was to stop doing what we could do. When she got cancer, we kept on doing kids camp all week. When she fell and, um, uh, and concussed herself uh, badly, uh, we, we still went to church and uh, she went in a wheelchair. I, I took her to church in a wheelchair because where do you go to get healed? You go to church to get healed. I took her to, I was preaching, and uh, that, that specific day, I remember, um, I was scheduled to preach. Brother Everett Corcoran, veteran missionary, has now gone on to be with his reward. I asked him to stand and testify, and uh, he moved in the Holy Ghost, and if somebody needs a miracle, come to the front. And so she went to the front, and, and uh, so kids camp with cancer, we kept doing kids camp. Um, with that, with that injury in a wheelchair, still went to church, went to the front and, uh, she stood up, uh, you know, just felt to stand up. She didn't feel anything other than the inclination to stand up. And as, as she stood up, she was instantly healed and began to dance in the altar, just instantly healed. There's another time she rolled the vehicle and mentioned that she was, she didn't stop doing what she was, what she could do just because she was injured. Uh, she was singing a song in a sling on the platform. This was our first service as pastor in Woodstock, 2013. She was singing, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Lord, you are awesome, our God. And, so she, and the Lord spoke to her and said, what about you? And so she just, you know, arm all tore up, back, can't, can't lift nothing, you know, just began to lift her hand against the pain or against whatever and against the inability and immediately God healed her again. Why? Is because you do what you can and trust God for what you can't. Don't stop doing what, I mean, we've got so many restrictions right now in this time and we see people and I'm talking to people all over, but don't Stop doing what you can just because you can't do what you always used to be able to do. Whether it's getting older, don't stop doing what you can just because you can't do what you always used to be able to do. You might be able to do something better than you used to be able to do just because. Um, and whatever it might be in your life, God's got purpose still for you. Do what you can with what you have. And that's where miracles come. In a relationship, do what you can. You, relationships are hard. Do what you can. Don't give up those small things that you can do just because you don't feel like doing them. Um, if you can do good, do it and trust God for to take the little bit and make something more out of it. Yeah, and... 
I'm as you're talking through all, rehearsing all those scenarios and situations, I'm remembering <laughs> back to those times and those seasons and, and uh, just seeing you, you folks trust God is, is very rewarding. It isn't just, uh, it isn't just uh, Sister Beth that's had all those incidents and accidents. You, you also had a school bus. I think we have a picture of the school bus that Pastor Mike was driving one day. And yeah, that's what was left of that bus. But maybe just talk to that for a moment, Beth. Um, I remember the day and the call that came. And they had said I needed to come to the hospital that your husband's been in an accident with a school bus. Well, I reacted. I was like, yes, I need to get to the hospital, but who's going to take care of my children? And I remember calling Joni, Janie's, Christensen, not, you're not Christian. <laughs> um, Joni Christensen, her sister. And I said, this is what's happened. And they automatically said, don't worry about the kids. You go. And I went to the hospital, and the police met me. And he said, you can't go in yet. I need to prepare you for what you're going to face. And I came into the hospital, and he said, this is what happened. But your husband, his memory, nothing. He doesn't know anyone. So... I'm just preparing you that this is what you're probably going to face when you go in to see him. And he was right. I walked in. He didn't know who I was. Don't want to get emotional, but um, that was hard on me. And um, we were actually just talking about it this week because February 10th is when he got his brace off his neck. And so it just kind of reminded us this week of that. But I, I remember when he didn't know me, I, it upset me. But then at the same time, I said, you know what? Within my mind, I said, Lord, he may not know me, but I still love him. Because he's laying here not knowing anything. And the police said to me, there's no recognition of the accident or anything. He doesn't, he can't even tell us what happened. And um, from that day on, um, we had gone, to, they took us to St. John, neurologist and everything. They did the scans, everything. Told us that his, the vertebrae in his neck was broke. And they, the neurologist looked at me. It's, they said, you've got a long road ahead. It'll be surprising if his memory ever comes back. And it may take up to probably two years, maybe, for him to come back fully. And he said, I'm just letting you know this. That news was disheartening to me because I, I also went back to my kids and I thought of them. And I'm like, they don't know yet. We haven't even come home yet. And um, I said, thinking in my mind, what are they going to face? You know, dad's not going to know them, everything. And it was for the, from September, it was the end of September, right? Pretty much to December. He, he had no idea who I was, didn't know who the kids were. His mom came down to be with us. And um, this is a little bit of humor. He started calling me names of other women. And I looked at <laughs> his mom and I go, what in the world is going on here? And I remember the neurologist said to me, if you have ever any questions, this is our direct line. It'll go right to me so that you can ask me any questions. Well, I felt like I was constantly calling them every day and I kind of apologized and he's like, no, 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 just keep calling because 
you're not knowing what's going on. And I, and so he would call me nurse. He would call me, yeah, some other names and everything. And I looked at his mom just jokingly. I said, if he calls me by his ex, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and we both laughed over it. I knew within myself I wasn't done with him. <laughs> she wouldn't be done. I would be done. <laughs> but I, and I remember I, one phone call I called the neurologist and I said to him, I said, I don't understand this stuff. I can't fathom what is going on with my husband. It is, I said, he's like a little boy to me. And he goes, that's right, that's what it is. He has gone back to his past. And that is how his memory and his brain is working, is that he thinks he's a little boy again. Like he would sit down at that piano and his fingers would just roll and play. I said, I've never heard him play like this before. And he goes, did he take lessons as a little boy? And I said, yeah, he took six years royal and took regular piano and everything. And he goes, that's what he's doing. He's going back in time. And he goes, you just have to be patient with him. And I go, yeah, I said, that's what I'm doing. But you know what? Through that all, it was hard on my kids. When they would come through the house doors, the neurologist said to me, you have to have it as quiet as can be in that home because sounds and just loudness can affect his brain and everything. So I remember when they would come off the bus, I'd be like, shh, remember, we had to be quiet with Dad. And I, Jasmine could probably testify, it was one of the biggest struggles we went through as a family. But I, we supported each other, and we never gave up on him. We loved him through it all. And I was thankful for his mom being there. And I remember times I would lock my, I just said to his mom, I got to go to the bedroom. And that's where I would go. I would get down on my knees and I would cry before the Lord. And I would just pray and pray. And I'm like, God, bring his memory back. Bring him back. Make him whole again. And, it, you know, my kids would go to church with Grandma. And I would have to stay home with him by myself. But you know what? We would listen to you guys. That's what we did. We listened, tuned into CCC and we listened to services. He didn't comprehend really what was going on a lot of the times. But I still had church in the home. I put God first through that whole situation. I said, God, I'm trusting you again. I don't know what's going to happen to him. This is what they're telling us is what is going to happen. But gradually, his memory started coming back. And I go, this is a miracle, God. Because they kept saying to me, his memory will not come back for at least two years. You will, he will not know your family or, or his surroundings, everything. And then my kids would get so excited. Oh, Daddy said my name. I think he knows me now. So this is, I, a lot of you may not know, this is what we went through from September to, to December. And I remember one Sunday morning, I'm going to tell on Jasmine here, she came running to me crying because before that she's like, I don't think dad remembers me. He said every other kid except for my name, mom. And I said, he will, Jasmine. We've got to keep faith that he's going to know who you are. And it's going to come back. And she came and she ran down the hallway and she was getting ready to go to church with Grandma. And she goes, he said my name, Mommy. He said my name. He remembers me. Tears streaming down her face. But you know what? 
no matter through the whole scenario of what we went through, like he didn't get his brace off until February the 10th. And I remember going back to the neurologist and he looked at both scans. He did, they did another scan and looked at this and he goes, he said, I don't usually say this, but this man is a walking miracle. He, and I told him, I said, yes, his memory is back. He knows us. And Mike's first, he said they, he would not be able to preach. This is what they told us too, not be able to preach at all for about a year or so. And he goes, not even at that. He goes, I don't even think that your husband will be back in the pulpit. December 28th, he did his first Bible study. And then he gradually got back into preaching one Sunday at a time, but service at a time, but he did gradually get back and he's a walking miracle today and they looked at the scans when they did it in February and he said this is a scan here and this is a scan here and this should not be he said but you know what through it all like I said I just trusted God I poured myself out to God I just prayed continually for him and for our family and you know what if I can say one thing it was probably the most difficult thing for me because he could not support me through that I had to support myself and my kids through that whole thing because he had no memory. He had no knowledge of anything that was going on. And, but you know what? The biggest support was God through it all. He never failed me and my family through that circumstance. I just want to say thank you to the family of God through all of that um, to our local church in Woodstock um, they continued to support us through all of that if you see someone going through a situation like we did know that little things make a big difference you can save a marriage by saying to someone like Hey, listen, I'll take the kids. You just spend some time with that person. Because when a, when a spouse is weak, the enemy preys on weakness. The enemy preys on weakness. And so uh, whether it was other ministers that would help us or uh, our friends that would come along and help us with, uh, with the children or with the, with the church, whatever it may have been, do not underestimate the power of little things when you stand by someone. You don't know the words to say. Listen, there are no words to say. It's okay to say words that you don't know what to say. It's just kind things done can save a marriage. I just wanted to pause for a minute. We do have another question we wanted to address, but... I feel like there, there may be someone here tonight who needs to grab a hold of that hope. We all walk through difficult seasons in life. And every person here, I'm sure, has been affected in some way or another in the last year by something very painful. And maybe you're still struggling tonight. But if we could just pause, because I can feel the Lord here. If we could just lift our hands, I believe that God wants to strengthen somebody tonight. Just by being in his presence, there is hope for your situation. You don't have to stay in your painful season. You don't have to stay in your challenging circumstance. God has a solution for you, and God has help for you. And sometimes in your darkest night, 
like Beth mentioned, all you can do is hold on. But if you can hold on to that unchanging hand, God will see you through. Could we just lift our hands for a moment and respond to his presence? Jesus, we're so thankful, God, for your sweet presence that's here. You are so faithful, Jesus. You are so faithful. And God, even though sometimes things don't turn out like we plan, and we walk through things we never could have anticipated. Jesus, you promised you would never leave us or forsake us. And I pray, God, in your presence tonight that you would strengthen your people. God, strengthen that couple who is facing a challenging situation, that physical need, Jesus, that financial need, whatever it is. God, we know that you are with us, and I pray that you would give us that tenacity, that determination, God, to hold on to you tighter than we ever have before. And we believe, we declare it, we know that you will see us through. God, there is hope to be found in our hard places. God, you are with us, and we're so thankful for that. Strengthen your people, Jesus, we pray. We're getting ready to wrap up tonight. Thank you for your kind attention. And I know that we've been working through a few challenges online with levels and volume. Um, Pastor Mike's also our district uh, children's ministry director. Um, I told him that he would have the liberty to, to do a little promotion on that. But along with that, um, kind of where I'd like to kind of come in for a landing tonight is just different ways that, and thank you, by the way, for being transparent with us. Thank you for being uh, open with us. But part of what we wanted to discuss and leave with our families, if this is a family Sunday, this is a family weekend, tomorrow's family holiday, and it's good to have some family guests with us tonight. Glad, to, glad that some people were able to join, join with us in service with your family. Um, but we want to discuss the need for developing spiritual disciplines in our homes and uh, talk to us for just a minute about the vision that you have for families in your church, in our district, families. Um, and I think we have a, a website, AtlanticKids.ca. If you want to log on to that, if you're with us online, you can find material there. You can talk a little bit about that. Just go ahead. And with our Atlantic Kids department, uh, over the past couple of years, um, the Lord really laid it on our heart as a directive probably about four years ago to uh, empower families. Family members are the most influential people in children's lives. Parents are the most, now there's lots of other things that vie for their attention, but parents are the most influential people in the lives of the children. And so we, over the past couple of years, have just equipped churches. Uh, all of the churches in the Atlantic District have received resources. Uh, over a couple years just to be able to equip them through the pastors and if the pastors continue to take those resources to the local families within our local assembly my job as pastor is to equip and uh, to equip families and every family situation is different uh, do not try to well the Bible says comparing yourselves among yourselves is not a wise thing to do so know your family situation and deal with your family situation learn from the successes of others learn from the failures of others but 
There's many resources that are good that are available. Again, AtlanticKids.ca, there's a link right on the front page. Family resources that are there to be able to develop those disciplines within your own local family. Dinner tables are a great place to discuss things. Um, again, I talked about children with differing mindsets and uh, I raise them to be able to voice their opinion even when it differs with m mine. That's how I was raised. I was raised to uh, be able to stand on my own and my father and I had many, many debates and he enjoyed doing that and I enjoyed doing that with my kids. But when we can um, develop those, that ability to ask questions without fear of reprisal, just to be able to ask and to know and to desire. Let your family be a place that is safe to learn, safe to grow, safe to develop, and whether it be praying together, uh, studying together, making, making it a safe place to ask questions and to learn together, that's an important thing. Um, I will say that there is curricula that is coming out brand new this year. I hope I'm not breaking news that's not supposed to be told yet, but uh, new curricula coming out, replacing Word of Flame, uh, God's Word for Life. It's creating an entire family devotional process, connecting in with curricula that's taught in a Sunday school to or a kid, children's ministry on a on a midweek with a family. It's all being connected together because I believe that the church needs to flow seamlessly into the home and the home needs to flow seamlessly into the church. It's a part of how God made the family of God. He calls it a, a family. Nonetheless, uh, we sometimes like to separate those things and say, well, the church is going to teach my kids. And they can ask those questions of the children's ministry team. Uh, no parents, train up a child in the way they should go. Equip yourself to train up a child. And that is one of the things that we have over the past number of years. We have actually uh, a member of our Atlantic Kids team that is designated as our family ministries coordinator, Brother Jeff Tracy, uh, for all of the pastors in the Atlantic District. Uh, they're at pastor's disposal. How do I help my, and he has experience in counseling, much smarter than me and all of those things, so I just bring people who are smarter than me on. And that's, so that's a resource that we as a department are enabling for, our, uh, for the churches in the, in the district. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Would you give these, this couple, this family, these folks a hand tonight? Thank you for being with us. If you have, uh, if you have uh, an electronic device and you are a couple, dating couple or a married couple, go ahead and grab that because I want to give everybody equal opportunity. Um, you know, I, we're, we're getting ready to end, but we have this gift to give away, and we, we're trying to think of ways to be fair with everybody that may be in the room and then people that are with us online. But if you're a couple and you uh, want this gift, I think I see a gift card in there for maybe a dinner out together. I see some chocolates. Uh, uh, thank you, Nicole, for pulling such a wonderful gift together for us. But if you would, the first email that we receive at mail at capitalcommunity.ca with a couple's name, we'll be sure that this gift is given to you. Thank you for joining with us tonight online. Thank you for being with us in the room. I see everybody frantically and feverishly typing.
Thank you for joining with us. Uh, Kat, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just probably the odd guy in the room. I, like Pastor Mike said, you pull smart people around you, and they, they make you look better than you are. But I am left with a couple of questions tonight. Um, one is, do you still play Royal Conservatory music on the piano? Not as often as I should. <laughs> that I can, so but it doesn't sound as good as it used to. Because <laughs> that would be something that would be worth hearing. And uh, no, I won't say the next one, but anyhow. Well, insurance rates. <laughs> I'm thinking the number of times that I heard about you rolling cars. <laughs> Going off, the road. Going off the road. Sorry, that's just the way my brain works. Anyhow, would you give them a great hand? Aren't you glad that they're with us tonight? Thank you all for being with us in service. Why don't we stand together? And, uh, and we'll get a hold of the, the first response to that, that uh, the winner of the gift tonight. Kathy, you can help us on the piano and just give us a little mood music. Uh, I did feel the presence of the Lord tonight, and I did feel courage that came from these, this couple and encouragement that came through them to all of us tonight. Uh, thank you for working with us on a different format. Thank you for working with us online, tech team, folks with us that have gathered together for service. It's been a powerful night tonight, and I think that God is helping us. And I believe in the family. I believe in all of you. Strong families build strong churches. Strong families build strong churches. And we need a strong church in this day and this age. So we thank you all for being with us tonight. I wonder if you just pray together with me. God, we are so grateful. God, for this divine design that you place called the home. God, I thank you for the model and the example of this couple. God, through seasons of difficulty and uncertainty, Lord, that their reach for you was reciprocated with your reach for them. And we stand here as a product of your faithfulness. God, we stand here today as a testimony of your greatness. And I ask that someone would take a hold of what we've heard tonight and what we've learned tonight, that they would integrate that into their homes, into their families. God, that we would develop disciplines that would allow us to be your people, your children, that you would be our God. I thank you today because you are faithful. And we give you great praise for our homes and our families. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Aren't you glad you're a part of the family of God tonight? One last time, let's clap hands to the Lord. Let's thank Him for being in service.